This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Uh, I was praying about what to, what to preach, what to talk about tonight. We're not in a Wednesday night series or anything like that. So here's what God wanted me to talk about tonight. The title is this, An Eternal Perspective. An Eternal Perspective. Because there are way too many people that are missing out on God's best for their life because they've lost their eternal perspective. And so the whole premise of everything that I'm going to say over the next few minutes is this. The reason most Christians don't take their faith more seriously is because they don't truly grasp the concept of eternity. Now, I don't think any of us fully grasp the real concept of how permanent and long lasting eternity is. And and I just I'm convinced that most Christians don't realize how real eternity is. And so we often wonder why some Christians are maybe doing the things they're doing. And the answer is simple. Eternity is not real to them. I haven't heard of this quiet in this church since I was in here by myself praying last Tuesday. Listen, it got quiet in here. Talk to me tonight. I don't, I can't do this on my own. Listen to me. There are so many people that they, they're, sure enough, man, they will tell you all that. Yeah, absolutely. It's real. Heaven's real. Hell's real. Eternity's real. But listen, when you truly get the revelation that eternity is a real thing, it changes your life. Things that seem huge to you right now, in comparison to eternity, you're like, you know what? This really isn't the biggest deal in the world. Why am I, why am I losing sleep over this? Why am I letting this trip me up in life? But compared to eternity, I'm not going to care about this a hundred years from now. I'm not going to care about this 500 years from now when I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus, being with Jesus every day. I am not going to care about this. But the truth of the matter is, every person, but every Christian has got to get a revelation and understand the reality of eternity. Can you say amen with that tonight? We have got to get a hold of this. And so eternity has to be real to you. It will change your life when you put everything in an eternal perspective. All right. And so there's a few things I want to say tonight about how you can keep things in an eternal perspective because it's changed my life. I oftentimes, I will, I literally, I'll sit there and I'll daydream about heaven. And, you know, my wife teases me and stuff like, what are you thinking about? I mean, you know, they tease me that I live this blissful life of just happiness. And I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I am a very happy person. I love life. I love church. I love my family. I love Barstow. I love a lot of things about California. I love the United States. There's, there's a lot of things that I love. And yeah, I am a very happy person, but I'm going to say this. I think about heaven a lot. And, you know, things are getting crazy in the world. And I'm like, man, we're getting that much closer to me being in heaven. I'm not going to lose sleep over this. You can't scare me with heaven. You can't threaten a Christian with heaven. Come on. It's going to be absolutely incredible. But when you truly, genuinely get an eternal perspective, it puts things in the right perspective. And you start realizing what's really important and what's not. And so I'm going to say this for you tonight. Number one, if you're going to get an eternal perspective, number one, seek 
God's kingdom first. Seek God's kingdom first. Now, the obvious scripture that I'm going to turn to, let's, does anybody have any guess what scripture I'm going to turn? I just want to play Bible trivia here. Any guess where I could possibly be going? Come on. Here, come on. Katie Brady, give her a hand. I'm not joking. Literally, give. thank you. Give her a hand. All right. She nailed it. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 tonight if we could. And while we're doing that, could I ask an usher to get me a bottled water? Because this, you know, hey, I get to speak it and spit and then I get dry. Okay, a little water. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look here at uh, verses 31 through 33. Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. And in fact, Jose shared this verse over the offering on Sunday and did a remarkable job with that. But Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. So one thing that uh, as we grow in the Lord... You know, worry tends to get less and less. At least I can say that in my life. The closer I get to God, the less worries I have because I realize, like, wait a minute. Why am I afraid about money when my dad is richer than the richest billionaire in the world? Why am I afraid about sickness and disease when my 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 big brother Jesus is the great physician? Why would I worry about this stuff? So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at a few verses here, verses 31 through 33. And if you read the previous verses, it's telling you about all the things the people of this world worry about. They're worrying about, man, where are we going to get enough money for our clothes? Ladies, there's your chance to say amen. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's, let's try this. Let's try this. Um, it's talking about people worrying about where are we going to get enough food to eat? And all the men said, all right, come on, listen. Come on. Uh, we did, I did this cookout the other night, and, you know, I invited all the men of the church, but about 15 showed up. And, uh, and, and, and I noticed, I'm like, guys, you know, let's bring some stuff. We had about 50 pounds of meat and a bowl of potato salad. I'm like, <laughs> it was awesome. It was all meat. It was, it was all meat. It was incredible. But anyway, it was, it was good. And then a bowl of potato salad. And, and that was pretty good, too. So, but Matthew 6. Verses 31 through 33, Jesus said, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God, of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I like that. I like that. If I do things God's way, he will give me everything I need. And that was the New Living Translation. I want to see it in the Living Bible, verse 31. Uh, they'll put it on the screen there. It says, so don't worry at all about having enough food and clothing. Why be like the heathen? Who wants to be like the heathen? Do not raise your hand. You do not want to be like the heathen. For they take pride in all these things and are deeply concerned about them. But your heavenly father already knows perfectly well that you need them and he will give them to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. And so notice it doesn't say there that your heavenly father will give you the opportunity to earn all of these things from him, even though I believe in earning things and, and great hard work. But it says, if I will seek God first and do things his way, he will straight up. Give me the things that I need. That's the grace of God. Grace gives to us. We don't earn it. Just like my salvation. I didn't earn it. I didn't earn, I don't deserve to go to heaven, 
But thank God that I'm not getting there because I worked hard enough to get there. I'm getting there because of the free gift of Jesus' blood that was poured out on the cross. And it tells us right there that if we will seek God's kingdom first, our Father will give us the things that we need. That's really good news because that takes the burden off of me of being like, man, how am I going to make it happen? How am I going to do it? How am I going to listen? I'll do everything I'm supposed to. I will go to work. I will work hard and listen. God's my provider, though. I no longer say, well, uh, you, how do you, how do you live with that way? You got to provide. God's my provider. He, as long as I'm seeking him first, then he's going to make it happen. All right. And so as we read that, though. To the carnal Christian, right? Or to somebody that's on the fence about God. Well, seeking God's kingdom first, that sounds like a burden. That sounds like a hassle. And I'm telling you right now, I've lived both ways. I've lived on the carnal, lukewarm side, and I've lived on the fully committed side. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. There are some things that you give up and some things that you do without if you're going to seek the kingdom of God first. But you know what? It's not a hassle. You know, you, you know why it's not a hassle? Because for committed, born-again Christians, the, the national divorce rate is below 10%, but for the rest of America, it's above 50%. So if, if it's such a burden, if it's, a, it's, it's not a hassle to have a great marriage, to know that committed, stable, born-again, on-fire Christians, the divorce rate plummets. People, I'm talking about people that seek first the kingdom of God. Come on. Hey, listen, you know what else isn't a hassle that on average, according to Vanderbilt University, people that attend church every single week live on average eight years longer. The first thing I just quoted about divorce, that was done by a Harvard professor. And the second thing I just quoted, Vanderbilt University put a bunch of money into doing a, a, a big study over a long period of time. People that consistently I'm talking about not half baked, I'm talking about committed, born again, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, live on average eight years longer. If we're talking about averages, if I were to say one year longer, that would be a big difference if you're talking about overall average. Eight years is unheard of, people. It's not a burden. It's not a hassle to seek first God's kingdom. It pays to serve God. You give some stuff up, but I'm telling you right now, it pays to seek first the kingdom of God. Well, why would I want to do that? Because I'm thinking about heaven, man. I have got an eternal perspective. Can somebody say amen tonight? So what does it mean to seek the kingdom? How do I seek the kingdom of God first? Well, I've got three little things to tell you right here. If you just want to write these down, they're not on the screen, but I will just tell them to you. All right. And so. The first thing that I'm saying of how you can seek the kingdom of God first is you choose to please God more so than people. You just finally come to that place in your life where I want to make everybody happy because that's me. I like to make people happy. I like people to like me. But you got to know this, that the closer you get to God, some people are not going to like that because they like having control over you and your decisions. And when you're saying, you don't control me anymore, now I'm going to go ahead and just let God control me and do what he wants to do. That will make some people angry. They don't like that because they liked it more when you listened to them and did what they wanted you to do. But the good news is, 
I'm growing and growing and growing as I do that. And I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, not seeking first everybody else's opinion. Okay. And so another way is simply obeying his word. Not just the parts that you like, but also the parts that you don't like so much. And so John 14, 15, Jesus said, okay, if you love me, obey my commands. Right? And so a lot of times like, we'll know that someone loves Jesus because they talk about him all the time. That's good. And somebody that loves Jesus probably does talk about him all the time. There's a lot of things that somebody that really loves Jesus will do. But Jesus said flat out, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. What does that mean? You'll obey my word. And so the old saying that we have is actions speak louder than words. And when we love Jesus, we obey his word. Does that mean we're perfect? No, but it means, hey, I'm trying my best to please God and live my life for him. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to trip. I'm going to make mistakes, but he's there to pick me back up and give me another shot at this thing and give me another chance. And the third little thing I'm going to say about how we can seek the kingdom of God first is we think of the eternal consequences of our decisions. We think about the eternal consequences of our decisions. Now, little kids, how many parents we got? Okay, so little kids, they make choices off of what will make them happy for the next five minutes, right? I remember this one time, I, I don't know if my sister's watching online right now, but I'm going to just throw some shade at her. We went to, uh, our neighbors decided to take us to a drive-in movie, okay? So they took us to the drive-in movie, and they just wanted to make a good night. They bought all this candy, bags and bags of like the, the little fun-sized Snickers, and so you know, it's a double feature. So the second movie is playing, and I'm like, I'm going to go get me some of those Snickers. I go, they're all gone. She ate every, I mean, ate like two full bags of fun-sized Snickers, and she thought, man, this is making me so happy. For, for, for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, she was the happiest little girl in the world, but then reality hit. The consequences of her choice by far, the, the big, the long-term consequences outweighed the 20 minutes of joy that she had. And I'm not, I will spare you the details, but it was a gruesome rest of the night. I'll just stop right there because she's going to get mad at me. But I'm telling you, little kids do stuff like that. Like, man, I know mom said not to do this, but come on. This is awesome. I, what, what do they know? I mean, what do old people know anyway? They, they don't, they don't know that you, uh, and so they'll do stuff. That gives them uh, uh, temporary gratification at the expense of long-term consequences. And if we're going to seek the kingdom of God first, if we're going to grow as a Christian, we will be presented with things that offer temporary gratification at the expense of eternal consequences. And so if we're maturing and growing in the Lord, we're going to say, you know what? That would be cool for now. That would be great. Other people may look at me and think that I'm, you know, incredible. Other people may look at me and be jealous of me. And listen, hey, people like that. You, a lot of people, if they were to be honest, they're like, yeah, I kind of like people to look at me and envy me. Well, you know, whatever. But, but, but we think about that. And the truth is, is the big picture, the eternal picture, the big grand scheme of things, is it worth that momentary gratification? Mature people make their choices off of what will be best in the long term. Yes.
Praise God. Are we having a good time or what, man? This is, oh, I can tell this is going to be a big hit. This is going to be a banger tonight. People are going to just want to listen to this for weeks to come, all right? And so um, another thing that I've seen is people letting the blessings, okay, eternal perspective, people letting the blessings that God gave them lead them right back out the door, back to the world and the mess in which they came from. So the blessings are over there, and they seek God, get the blessing, do a U-turn, and go right back out to the world where they came from in the first place. Like, what? And I've seen that, man. You've seen that. I've grown up in church. I've been in church my forever, okay? And so have you. You've seen that. Somebody with their life was in the dumps, and they realized, oh, man, right through that door, right over there, if I if I seek God's kingdom first, I'm going to get out of the And so they sure enough, they get the blessing and then they do a U-turn and go right back to the mess. That's not the will of God for our lives. God's will is, man, get out of the mess. Come get the blessing and stay right there. And there's plenty more where that came from. Amen. You're not going to exhaust the resources of heaven. Well, God did that miracle for me, man. He pulled and I don't know. I don't know if I can just if I'm going to keep just expecting him to do that. Why not? I expect God to bless me every day. I expect God to do things for me every day, not because I'm selfish, but because I trust my father and he wants to do it. Let's look at Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12. We're getting somewhere. I can see the wheels turning. I see the wheels turning. We're making some progress. So Luke chapter 12, and we're going to look at a few verses here. Luke chapter 12, who likes getting to come in on Wednesday night and get that middle of the week refresher, get that, I mean, just fill her up, you can get back out there, tackle the rest of the world for the week. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, here's a story that Jesus told, you got to get this, Luke 12, verse 16, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, well, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, ah, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. It's a fool. Now, does it say a person is a fool to store up? That's not a sin and it's not foolish to store up earthly wealth. That's a good thing, but it's extremely foolish to do that while not also storing up a rich relationship with God. It's great to work hard and get a bunch of money. And I mean, that's fabulous. You should be doing that. But if you're doing that at the expense of your relationship with God, the words of Jesus, not my words, Jesus said, you fool. What in the world are you thinking? Yeah, you, you, you provided a mansion for your kids down here, but now they don't have a mansion in heaven because you were such, you know, they gave up on Jesus. Such a poor example that they gave up on Jesus and now they lived in a mansion down here, but now there's not a mansion in heaven waiting for them. Is that, I mean, that sounds really harsh. I understand that, but it's the truth. Jesus said, we are pure fools if all we care about is storing up treasures here on earth. And listen, when you get, what am I talking about tonight? 
an eternal perspective, when you have that eternal perspective, it takes a lot of the burden off of you. You no longer have to have to strive and 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 tear and sweat and 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 be full of anxiety so you can have a nicer car than the neighbors. You don't care anymore. Yes, have a nice car. It's wonderful, but I really do not care if my neighbors have a better car than me or a bigger house. I don't even really care if their kids have nicer clothes. What I care about is heaven. What I care about is not only me getting there, I want all four of my kids in heaven with me. I want my relatives. I want the people in this room. I want people in Barstow. I want them to go to heaven. And that's a lot more important to me than having, you know, the nicest car in Barstow. Having the biggest house in Barstow. I flat out do not care. I don't care. Because, as I mean, I'm 35. Let's say I live another 60 years, maybe 70 years. I don't really want to live a whole lot longer than that because I really want to get to heaven. But let's just say, for argument's sake, I live 70 more years. What if I have my house for 70 more years? Do you realize how short 70 years is with an eternal perspective? That's like one second. Because my next house, I'm going to be in for 10 billion years and even longer. I'm going to be in heaven. Jesus said, hey, I'm going, I'm preparing a mansion for you up here. I am going to live in a mansion in heaven for billions and billions and countless years. What does it matter down here? I want to have a nice house. I just bought one. I, you know, put a lot of money into fixing it up, but I don't really care that much because I'm only going to have it for this long, even if I live another hundred years. But I'm going to live up there for billions and billions and billions and endless, countless years. That's where my focus is at. Number two, number two, number two. We're talking about how can I have an eternal perspective? Number one, seek God's kingdom first. Number two, give your worries to God. People worry about the, I mean, people worry about some dumb stuff. There's big things and there's little things. I was reading this article earlier about this lady that recently sued Starbucks in Chicago for putting too much ice in her latte. Yeah. On a regular basis, she said that she went to this Starbucks every day and over the course of time, she realized that over a long term period, they put so much ice in that her 24 ounce latte was really in reality more like a 14 ounce latte. And she wanted all her money back for all those years. And her case was thrown out when Starbucks said, ma'am, you're allowed to just ask for easy ice, like less ice. And then and so they threw the case out. But if you're that worried about your latte. Man, I envy your life. If that's the worst of your problems, is too much ice in your latte? Seriously. And so, but people, this is real stuff that people, they, they worry about it. And, and, and it's a sick and sad thing. But let me show you something that I discovered here in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, let's turn over there. Philippians chapter 4. Are we having a good time? I can tell you, that lady, I mean, I don't know her, and I, I'm not trying to judge somebody, but she does not have an eternal perspective. If, if you are that messed up about too much ice in your latte, that is just, you're, you got to take someone to court over it, heaven is apparently not on your mind. Thank you for your holy silence. I mean, this is a quiet group tonight. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, and this is key 
I will tell you that these two verses changed my life. These two verses changed my life permanently when I got a hold of this. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I call this the peace equation. You add the first thing, the second thing, the third thing, and then it all comes out to the fourth thing, which is this. You thank him for all he's done. Number four, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so what did it tell us to do? I mean, it may seem like, well, that's impossible. It's not impossible because the Bible told you to do it. And God's not going to tell you to do something that's absolutely out of the realm of you ever being able to do it. You may have to rely on him to get this done, but you can do what verse 6 says to do. It says, number one, don't worry about anything. Number two, pray about everything. Number three, tell God what you need. Number four, thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace. Just show of hands, who would like to experience God's peace? I love God's peace because people in the world have a very misconstrued idea of what peace is. Oh, well, we're not at war right now, so I guess it's peace. No, peace is the presence of God in your life. There's this quote that I love that says, Peace does not consist in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. So peace doesn't know, well, there's no imminent danger around. Nobody's shooting at me, so I guess that means it's peace. But on the inside, I feel tortured. No. Peace consists in the presence of God. And I'm going to tell you something right now, that any problem you have, and this may sound like like I'm being ridiculous, but I have found that any problem you are facing right now is minuscule when you compare it to the reality of eternity. Any problem that we face right now is minuscule when we compare it to the reality of heaven. Well, I've got big problems, man. My wife's mad at me and my job's on the line and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not making light of that. Absolutely. But I can tell you this much. A thousand years from now, a thousand years while you're being so ridiculous, because we're going to be around a thousand years from now. You realize that, right? You realize that a thousand years from now, you are still going to exist. And you're going to be in heaven because you've received Jesus, right? You're going to be in heaven. So a thousand years from now, that's not that far away when we're thinking about eternity. A thousand years from now, you will not even be able to possibly care any less about, man, I didn't get that promotion. You think you're still going to be in heaven a thousand years from now? You know what? My only regret in 2020, I got passed over and, you know, they, they, they got, or, or my only regret is that in 2020, uh, you know, I wanted this to happen and, and it's minuscule. It's not that big of a deal when you compare it to the reality of eternity. And that's what I've begun to do in my life. Any trouble, any problem, anything that seems insurmountable in my life, I look at it and like, you know what? Am I going to care about this a hundred years from now? Then you know what? I'm just going to cast it. I'm going to cast that care onto the Lord right now. Is this really that big that that it's bigger than me going to heaven? Is this is this really that big of an issue that uh, that that I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna lose sleep over? No, it's not. Any I'll say it one more time. Any trouble or problem we face right now is minuscule when you hold it in the light of eternity, and that set me free. Stuff that just used to 
flat out bother me and mess with me doesn't do it anymore. You know what? I don't, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to care anymore. I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus. And that's, man, maybe you don't believe that, but I'm telling you, if you will put any of your troubles or problems to test against eternity, you'll start to realize what I'm talking about, all right? And so the third thing I'm going to say tonight is this. Number three, focus on heaven. And you can't convince me otherwise that the overwhelming majority of Christians do not put enough of their focus on heaven. It's, I mean, it's, I don't have that many people come up and say, let's just talk about heaven. I do have some people. I will admit, there are some people that come up and, man, can you just imagine heaven? And I'm like, I've got all day to sit down and talk about heaven. Pull up a chair. Let's do this. I will talk about heaven. I will imagine heaven. I will think, I've, I've got time for that. But listen, the majority of Christians do not really think about heaven that much. All of their focus is on what's going on down here on earth. And we think, well, yeah, but that's that's what's going on. I mean, I mean, that's this is the real thing. The real thing's up there. This is just practice. This is just I don't know what you want to call this. It's nice and it's great. And I love my life. But compared to heaven, man, this is nothing. Heaven is. We can't even begin to describe what it's like. The Apostle Paul, uh, he had this vision, and he and in the King James, he said, I knew a man that was caught up to the third heaven. Well, in the modern translations, it's very obvious to tell he's talking about himself. So the New Living Translation says, 14 years ago, I was caught up to the third heaven. All right, three heavens. You got the sky right here. Heaven number one, we say, oh, look at the heavens. Heaven number two is outer space. We look at the stars and call that the starry. And then the third heaven, as the Bible refers to it, is the place where you and I are going to live someday. And so Paul says, I was caught up to the third heaven. And all I can say is I saw and heard things so astounding that I cannot put them into words. I saw things and heard things so incredible that no human is allowed to say them. Like, what? What do you see? I want to know what the man saw. And I know this much in hearing experiences, and I believe in this, that some people do get an experience of heaven. And there's a book that uh, me, well, Jonah, uh, him, we're reading it. Uh, it's called Imagine Heaven. And this pastor studied over, he took 20 years and interviewed over 5,000 people that had died and been resuscitated or had a near-death experience, medically proven NDE, near-death experience. And he aligned all their stories, people from all over the world that had never met each other. And the crazy thing is, all their stories matched up, like 5,000 people. If I were to have a, if I were to go to court right now and say that you hit me at a traffic light and I could get three or four other people to say the same thing I said, the court would call that irrefutable evidence. If I had 5,000 people say they saw the exact same thing, that would be mind blowing. I'm telling you, I can prove that heaven is real simply from the Bible, but outside of the Bible also. All right. And so this book is, you know, People, and it's not, you know, some redneck, you know, in, in Martinsville, Indiana, that ate too much pizza and saw heaven. We're talking about medical doctors, professors, lawyers, high-standing people in society. Anyway, so I'm sorry to get off on all that. That was not part of my sermon. But what I'm telling you is this. Heaven 
is so real that I've got to think about it. I've got to know, man, people say, like, there's colors that exist there that just don't even exist. You can't even describe it. You can't say it looks like turquoise because there's colors that exist in heaven, in that realm, that don't exist down here. There's beautiful smells, beautiful sounds, beautiful sights that I can't even describe it. Even if I saw it, you wouldn't be able to. There's nothing to compare it to. Heaven is more real than where we are on earth right now. And I'm thinking about it all the time. Like, what's it going to be like? What's it going to be like when I see Jesus face to face? I've been talking to him every day for 30 years, but I've never seen the man. I've been telling him everything that's on my heart. I've been waking up early every morning to read his words and read his letter to me. He wrote me this letter before he went back up there. And and I've been reading his letters and I've been talking to him and pouring my heart out, telling him my victories, telling him when I'm having a hard day every day. But I've never seen the man. But that day is going to come when I finally get there and I stand face to face. Oh, my gosh. Right now, I'm living this whole thing by faith. I'm totally walking by faith and not by sight. But there will be a day when my faith will finally be turned to sight. And I won't have to just believe without seeing anymore. I'll actually get to see the one that I've been believing in for all these years. I'm going to hold his hands. I'm going to hug him. I'm going to stare him in the face. And I'm going to say, Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for pulling me through that mess. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll probably, I don't know what I'll say, man. I'm gonna, you know, I'm not much of a crier. I don't cry that often. But I, man, I can, I'm just gonna be bawling my eyes out, man, when I finally get to see Jesus. So yeah, I'm guilty. I think about that stuff. And, I, and if you think about stuff like that, it's a whole lot easier to make right decisions because you realize, man, I'm going to stand in front of Jesus. This is not made up. I am literally going to stand in front of him someday. I don't need this anymore to make me fulfilled. All I need is Jesus to make me fulfilled. This might make me happy for five minutes. It may give me a little rush, give me a little high, give me a little. But I don't need that. I've got Jesus. And that rush, that high, that feeling is going to last for 10 billion, trillion, zillion years, man. It ain't ever going away. Why do I need anything temporary when I can have the permanent? And so look at this. Colossians chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. Colossians 3, 2 through 3. And I'm reading in the Living Bible again. I don't know why I'm reading a lot of that tonight. Colossians 3, 2 through 3 in the Living Bible. C.S. Lewis, the famous Christian author, the 20th century, he said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought most of the next world. The Christians that do the most good in this world are the ones who think the most of the next world. Some, if, if eternity isn't real to you, you're probably not going to go out and try to tell people about Jesus. Am I right? If you don't, I mean, if eternity isn't that real to you, why should you go out and get up off the couch and go pray for somebody? Yeah. 
What does it matter? Why should I go out and stick my neck on the line and risk people making fun of me and persecuting me if it's not that real? But if heaven is real to you and you know people that probably aren't going there, you cannot sleep at night. You have got to get them right with God. It bothers you. But if you don't really think about heaven that much, then you probably don't think about telling other people about Jesus that much. That's just some food for thought. Colossians 3, verses 2 through 3 in the Living Bible, it says, Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Your real life is in heaven with Christ and God. Think about that. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. I mean, I'm involved with quite a bit of funerals. And one thing I tell us, like, man, when you see somebody that was a Christian die, it's sad. We, we're crying, but I'm crying for myself. I can't possibly be crying for them. I'm jealous of them. They're, I mean, you know, you understand what I'm saying. They're in heaven. If they were sick, they're not sick anymore. If they were hurting, they're not hurting anymore. What any problem they had is long gone, and they will never think of it again. They're in heaven. They don't care. Seriously. That, I mean, it is all a thing of the past. They don't care anymore. And so, yeah, we cry, but we're crying because we're sad. You cannot possibly feel sad for somebody that's in heaven. That's like... Dave just won $500 million in the lottery. Man, I feel so bad for him. My God, that poor guy. Why would I say that? He's got it better than he's ever had before. And somebody that's in heaven, they've got it better than they ever have before. You cannot possibly feel sorry for somebody in heaven. And so what I'm saying is you have got to get an eternal perspective. It will change the things that you do. It will change your life. The last thing I want to show you is in Revelation 21 and verse 4. Revelation 21 and verse 4. But notice that Colossians 3 said, your real life is in heaven. Your real life is in heaven. Sometimes people are like, man, you're in the real world now. Now you're, you know, welcome to the real world. This is the real world. Maybe for you, my real, my real place is in heaven. Revelation 21 and verse 4, and I've got lots of scriptures, especially if you want to read Revelation 21 and 22, it gives great details of heaven and the new Jerusalem. So that's a whole other thing I'm not going to get into tonight, but Revelation 21 and verse 4, and this is one of my favorite things to think about in regards to heaven. Revelation 21 and verse 4. It's talking about when we get there, when we finally get there, we catch up with Jesus. We're finally in our permanent home. It says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Imagine that. He's going to wipe every tear from your eye. No more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Imagine no more pain ever again. Physically, emotionally, mentally, any pain that you've experienced, it's instantly 100% gone. No sorrow. You'll never be sad again about anything. No 
crying, no pain. These things are gone forever. Why am I going to waste my life worried, full of anxiety and stress and, and, and disaster and fear and doom and gloom and nonstop negative? Why? When I've got this ahead of me, I can't help but have the joy of the Lord when I think about heaven. I can't help but get a little bit excited. But I'm telling you right now, it is more vital now than it ever has been before that you have the right perspective. Have any of you ever had a change of perspective on anything? I'm just honest. If you have, good. Maybe not. I mean, there's things I used to probably think about one way and, you know what, got a little more mature. Hopefully, grown up a little bit. And you know what? I, it's not, I don't see it that way. I mean, that's not, uh, you know, you change your perspective once you grow a little bit, once you get the big picture in mind. And when you get the big picture of heaven, when you start to, you know, and you're not going to fully understand it right now, but if you will just start putting a little bit of emphasis on that, if you will just start thinking a little bit about that, putting some of your attention on that, a lot of things will get into perspective. We sang this old hymn a couple weeks ago. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The things of earth, as you move farther and farther away, the thing that was the size of a beach ball is getting smaller and smaller. Now it's the size of a quarter. Then it's the size of a diamond. You're like, what? I was really... Losing sleep over that? Are you kidding me? It doesn't even matter anymore. But I'm telling you right now, change your perspective. You gotta realize that we are not gonna be here that much longer. Jesus is coming soon, and you better get prepared for this place, cause that's gonna be your new home, and that's where you're gonna be for a very, very long time. You need to start getting ready for the move, cause it's happening soon. Eternal perspective. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Dylan, thank you. Amen. God is good, and I can't help but be excited. Amen, amen. Well, we're going to pray over you tonight for a minute here. Then we'll go ahead and dismiss. But, man, it's such a great time to be close to God. I'm having the time of my life, having the best year of my life. Just sticking close to Jesus, and and I'm aware of the dangers. I'm aware of the things, but I'm just having such a good time in the shelter right now that you know I'm not losing sleep over any of it. But praise God, I want to pray for you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.